What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. surrounding this team the news leading up to this game we were all thinking how the hell was this team going to go into new england and get a win in game two and that ladies and gentlemen is exactly what they did welcome everyone to this happy 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 post game show for phly union of course i am one half of your host jp sapata join as always with renee washington renee what a performance what a night wow nerves are shot wow <laughs> okay so there were so many directions that today could have gone, and I was nervous. I was, you know, especially once we announced and, and we're planning on our post-game show. I didn't know how we were going to be coming in the post-game show. Right. Was it going to be PKs? Was it going to be a, a bad result? Was it going to be a win? It was a win, guys. It was a win. I'm just so thrilled because it wasn't a pretty game at times. It was a grinded-out victory. And for the Philadelphia Union to close out in New England, take care of business, now you don't have to worry about a game three on Saturday. No, you don't. You all. give extra rest. You allow guys like Julian Carranza to get back. But also, you just have a, a, a late game winner. It's exciting. It's fun. And uh, also, you get to send the reps home one oh day God. earlier because I am so tired of New England. Yeah. Ugh. And for some context here in the office, so obviously, we're watching with PHLY Sixers team. And obviously, the Sixers are playing the Celtics. And we're playing New England. So we are just saying, screaming, screw Boston all up and down this office here. But no... It's funny because I always say, Renee, karma is a B word because <laughs> I always, I cannot not not think about the 2020 playoffs uh, and the way New England came into Subaru Park and beat us in our home turf. And we came here in this matchup with all, listen, I thought New England had the mental edge here tonight, but Renee, we beat them in the mental game here tonight. Mm -hmm. We outlasted them mentally. And that is why we're celebrating here tonight, moving on facing off against Cincinnati, it was, I'm really proud of these guys that are, that played here tonight. Yeah, I am. And honestly, I know even at halftime, I wasn't the most 
excited. I was a little nervous still, but you know, the union found a way to pull through. Welcome into the chat, Sean. See your Eugene Krabs. Nice to have you guys here. Hit that like button. Join the conversation. You're talking about Damian Lowe has been such an up and down player this season. We're going to get into Damian Lowe. He definitely was immense in that second half. Eugene, yay is all we can say, but we have to break down some of the performances that we saw today because we saw some players step up. We saw some players that maybe did not step up as much. A lot to break down in what we just saw in that winning game for the Philadelphia Union. But as you mentioned, uh, you know, a huge day for us here in the office as the Sixers mm -hmm. were able to hold off the Celtics. The yes. Union able to hold off the Revs. Big the day in Philly sports. Sweet Boston. Uh, that's not something that we could always say. But today we can, guys. <laughs> today we can. Honestly, um, um, I'm just going to try to just stay in, in the moment because mm – -hmm. I don't want to get too too caught up in the next of, you know, as right. the Union are now getting ready to face FC Cincinnati in the Eastern Conference semifinals, all the breakdown. We'll do that in tomorrow's show a lot more and take that deep dive because today it's all about, like you said, Josh, we've survived, we're advancing, and that's the most important thing before we, we need to sleep on what's <laughs> next, guys. I think that we all just need today to just kind of enjoy the win, as, as everybody sure. always talks about. Um, sure. But what did you like most, JP, about today's victory for the Union? No, I, I, I like... It sounds so cliche, but no, like literally the way the union responded to the whole investigation with Kai, mm. right? And then going into this match, I really, like I said, I felt like New England had the mental edge because of, because of that. Obviously, you're playing in Gillette Stadium. It's tough to play there with the turf field. They obviously feel really comfortable in there. But even like the the Mark Anthony K red card, which obviously we'll talk about a little bit more. And the Union taking that pure opportunity, and mm -hmm. they only, they allowed New England to kind of fall into their trap. And it, I, I thought overall, the, the Union just looked like the more mature team. I like that. They obviously, they've been there and they've done this before, but considering what they had to deal with here today, the circumstances, I'm extremely proud. I, in New England, honestly, they kind of, I feel like they kind of gave us this win here tonight. Mm -hmm. And if you're, it doesn't matter who you are, you got to take that opportunity. And the union did that despite being shorthanded essentially with what they've had. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure the revs are sitting somewhere saying, well, we were shorthanded too. We were a player <laughs> down. Um, listen, I think this, what had me the most nervous about today, and I hate to have to bring up all that led into it, but we all know it was a lot. It's been a lot going on around the union off the it's pitch and focused. it's, it's distracting. It's, it is hard to stay focused. And also you not only mentally are struggling to stay focused, but also physically, mm. you now have a player like Nate Harriel who steps out on the, onto the field and buys on out on the other side who were d good as outside back and just solid for the most part. Um, I think Nate Harriel actually is someone that stood out to me as, and I know we were talking oh about God, before the yeah. show, as one of the guys that maybe played the best for the union today because yeah. he was just the most active and the most involved. And he was making a difference. You could see him, whether it was clearing crosses mm -hmm. or getting in the mix and the attack or nearly scoring and hitting the post. You know, <laughs> Nate Harriel, who they were, you know, I, I know the broadcasters were talking about the fact it's just his fifth game and he's only scored, he scored one postseason goal and that was obviously in the last game in his postseason games he's played so far Nate Harrell looks tremendous out there so I like the fact this was such a resilient win because this team could have folded they could have mm -hmm. easily just gave in and said oh we're without Jacob Glessness we're without Julian Carranza no Kai Wagner we're just gonna fold like a pretzel but instead the union continued to find ways that next player mentality to just grind it out today uh Sean C you're also mentioning yeah first road playoff win in the club history a win on turf Positives there, uh, especially with all the noise around the team in the last month or so, a great club win. This is something you can now go back to the locker room. You're feeling good about it. 
You can come home excited instead of coming home like, ugh. You know, it snowballs when you have the issues off the field. You're not getting the results you want. But instead, none of those issues are important tonight. Well, maybe some of them. <laughs> but we're not going to dwell on those issues because you won and you took care of business. So it's a happy feeling all around. So I, I like the resilience of this squad that we saw. I definitely want to say on Nate, um, to me, he was probably the second best player only because Andre made some big saves tonight. Uh, but the responsibility whew. of a young kid like Nate that honestly Jim keeps putting on him and Nate doesn't complain. He takes it and he performs. He did the same thing here tonight. That he did in that 21 Eastern Conference Final. Yeah. Where he had to play on the left. And he was younger at that point. A whole year younger. And, Renee, we talked about... So, New England did something very interesting. So, they decided to put a four-man back line with Dewan Jones, Romney, uh, Henry Kessler, and Andrew Farrell as the other fullback. And it's not like, you know, you see the Union before have done this before where it's actually like a three-back. No, no, no. Yeah. Farrell was driving up the pitch. And he was even switching with Polster. As he was kind of like a wingback. It was funny watching Farrell, who looks honestly like, like a defensive end. And Nate Harrell's dad. <laughs> that was the best part about it. Honestly, he looks like he could be Nate Harrell's dad. I mean, he's just, he's an, he's he's like a, he's only probably, what, 30-something? Uh, I have to get his exact age, but he's like a hard 30-something. He's, he's thir I think he's 31, like, if I heard it correctly. Yeah, and I'm 31, and I don't think I look like I could be <laughs> Nate's mom. I don't know. But I think he just looks like a, like a yeah. We well, were blessed with the good genes, Renee, but yeah. <laughs> Farrell, I don't know about him. But in, in, Hey, let, let, go ahead. I'll let you finish <laughs> your thought first because he was balling out there for looking like Nate's dad. I will give him that. <laughs> <laughs> but we, we were up in alls when he shoved Harriel when the play that was essentially dead and Harriel's going flying in, into the boards there at the end line there. But uh, Ariel to me, deserves so much credit here tonight to be put in that responsibility. We saw him even attack from the left-hand side where he's obviously mm -hmm. not the most comfortable, but he doesn't care. He does what the team needs to do. I think Quinn Sullivan deserves some credit as well. Those two youngsters really stood out to me because in a situation where the union needed someone to step up, these guys were taking advantage of those opportunities. Quinn Sullivan, obviously, you're looking for him to stretch the back line, use that speed, use that creativity, and he's obviously been hungry for a goal. I think both those guys really helped the union elevate them to this victory here tonight. Yeah, and that's what you need. You need guys that are going to step up. I felt like um, for Farrell, he absolutely was scary at times. And I know it was tweeted out. He was, you know, you saw back-to-back -back plays and getting forward. He locked down that right side, which is crazy because we're talking about how well Nate Harrell played. Like that side of the field for both teams, there was just a lot going through it. And for Farrell, getting forward, it didn't matter if he was lined up as an outside back or whatever. He was, he was playing like a true midi of just controlling the entire right flank for New England, especially once they were a player down mm -hmm. and just going, you know, he's, he's got such a strong shot, powerful, controlled Andre Blake, who absolutely was the, the best player for the union today consistently, whether it was an offside call or not, he was making the save. And right. Andre Blake had some incredible, the, the near post shots. That's where a lot of teams are trying to sneak you near post, catch you, you know, sleeping a little bit and Andre Blake was on it so I think for me just seeing the fact that Farrell actually had a really good game and Nate Harrell was able to still match that I did not like that dirty play of the foul balls rolling on the end line you're not saving it and he actually wasn't even trying to save it sometimes players foul because they're sliding trying to save the ball from all over the end line he actually fully was a Nate Harrell's back could have been a card 
that play as well as the play against Mbizo that Carlos Hill had late in the game as well. Oh, my God. Where he God. knocked him down. I may think, I, in my opinion, I do feel like Mbizo added a little extra there. He, he got an Academy <laughs> Award for sure. But it still was a, a, a full, you know, two-hand extension. So, either way, I, I like the fact that for the union today, we saw players stepping up. And even when New England was coming at you with their best you know, attacks, Farrell up the right side, Carlos getting down the mid, anywhere, anywhere on the field, honestly. Mm. The union were finding a way to, to, to offset it. You know, Jose Martinez, even though he did leave the game, subbed out with a hamstring injury, hopefully nothing serious. I'm thinking maybe just some tightness from, you know, overexerting himself. Fantastic job balancing the midfield, being able yeah. to cover for them. Uh, Damian Lowe, I know Sean was talking about it earlier in the chat. Damian wow. Lowe did a, a really good job. Um, I do want to get into a little bit more on Damian Lowe, but I'm going to wait for that soapbox in a moment. <laughs> but just players finding moments to be able to help make a play, make the block. Jack Elliott, someone that you don't really talk about as much. Or Jack McGlynn. Beautiful, Jack. beautiful free kicks that he was taking. Of course, one of them leading to the goal. So, yeah, it was next player up mentality for the union, without a doubt. All right, so you guys ready for this? So, oh boy. here's this matchup. So, Andrew Farrell, 31 <laughs> years old, is 5'11", 185 pounds. And Nathan Harrier is 5'10", just a bit shorter. And he is 150. <laughs> oh, geez. It's 35 pounds coming straight at your back, Nate. 35 extra pounds are just like coming straight at your back. So, yeah, that was a matchup for sure that was very interesting. So you had one guy <laughs> who's supposed to be playing on the right-hand side, but obviously because of circumstances, he's playing on the left. Correct. And on the other side with Andrew Farrell, typically doesn't play there. And I, I don't know what the – they so they didn't have Spalding. So that's probably the reason why. So Spalding did not start. Uh, so they used Juan Jones and Andrew Farrell at the other end. I and mean, that was – it was pretty funny to see, to say that. Yeah, <laughs> honestly, it was quite a matchup the entire game, but one of the more um, interesting ones to watch because it was it was very back and forth. They each were kind of picking and choosing their their spots that they were inserting themselves into their respective teams' attacks. But I do, you know, <laughs> that's quite a difference. That's quite a size difference. Literally. <laughs> All right, so. My question is, who stood out? Who mm -hmm. played well? We said Andre Blake definitely was the best. For the union tonight, Nate Harrell was picking and choosing spots. Mm -hmm. Who else do you feel like played really well when you think about the full game um, that was consistently playing well for the union? I mean, I think we kind of nailed it on the head. Um, Ellie was kind of quiet, but also didn't play terrible. Um, I mean, I, I definitely, you know, who deserves kudos is Chris Donovan coming mm -hmm. off the bench, getting that goal. Crazy obviously, I haven't mentioned him yet. Yeah. <laughs> we obviously had the offside situation. We had to look that over again, and it was clear as day. And it's funny because we were, for some reason, Fox Sports, you know, just give us the replay right away. I don't know what you're holding out on. We, you know, we got, luckily Renee recorded the, the play and we're able to <laughs> watch that. But yeah, can we get that replay right away? But Chris Donovan. It's tough because I was looking at the bench and I was like, oh my God, this is terrible. You don't even have Ty Barribo out on, on this bench. You're pretty much relying on Chris Donovan. Joaquin Torres is your lone forward depth. But Chris Donovan comes in and he seems to come up big in situations like this. And and it's funny because, right, in a match where it was gritty, it was a grinded out type of match, mm -hmm. better than the Drexel Dragon himself in, in Chris Donovan to get Unleashed that Unleash the Dragon, as Cisco <laughs> says. <laughs> was that a rival for you in college? No. You guys didn't play Drexel? No, we did, but a rival has to be someone <laughs> <laughs> respectfully. <laughs> 
No. I, I mean, anytime you play in Philly school, it's a rival, but like a rival has to be someone that like not you're like nervous that. about. And that's what's well, not them. Not no like effect. That. No offense, dragons. Um, but <laughs> I almost was a Drexel dragon, actually. Um Chris so, calling us right now. Yeah, I'm like, oh boy. <laughs> so yeah, look, Chris Donovan repping for Philly in a big way, comes in that goal itself, the timing of it. What I liked about the goal specifically was something I disliked that Daniel Gosdog did earlier in the game. Mm -hmm. Chris Donovan just finished his run. You know, as a goal scorer, you can't be waiting for the next person. It's not the you got it mentality. It's Jack McGlynn plays the ball across the box. I'm going to be the one that makes a touch on it. Mm -hmm. And there were times in the course of this game, Daniel Gosdog, I'm looking at you, balls coming across the box and you're like looking around to see who's going to get it. Instead of going on and finishing your run, you can slide, you can sprint through it. All you needed to do is just like Chris Donovan did, get a touch on it to redirect it. When a ball's played with good enough pace, you don't have to do a lot to score. You just have to put it on frame. It's very hard for a keeper to make a save that close in, and it's very hard to miss if you get it on frame. So Chris Donovan literally just came in and finished his run, and it's not an easy finish. The momentum just carries it back post and just helped Make a play. Again, as I was talking about before, that next player mentality, just ball, saw a good opportunity, stepped up and took it. So I wish we had seen more of that because there were a couple times the ball was, you know, played across the box. Ali Bedoya had a great service in the first half. There were three guys. I think it was Quinn Sullivan, Daniel Gazdog, and probably it would be Uwa that would have been the third one based off of uh, the timing of the game. And all three of them were on top of each other. No near post, far post, you know, types of runs of spacing, mm. no change of pace. It was just kind of like, we're here, we're in the box, we're in the area, we're, you know, we're looking to score. But as a goal scorer, you need to make that decisive, I'm going to finish this type of a run. Mm -hmm. And I thought Chris Donovan did enough of that to stay onside. It was clearly an onside run. Ali was also clearly onside based on my VAR because I did have the goal footage. The R stands for uh, <laughs> I did have all the <laughs> angles of the goal. And you just finish your run and, and you score. Now we can be excited because we're advancing. So, yeah, I think that play specifically was awesome. But I would love to see more of those types of plays where you're missing because yeah. you're nearly redirecting it on goal, not missing the ball altogether. There's too many times the ball's coming across the box and nobody's getting on the other end of it. I don't, I don't mind a missed opportunity if you're trying. I can't stand a missed opportunity where no one's getting a touch on it. Oh, absolutely. I can't really pinpoint, like... So I, I see the same things with you in the attack, right? Yeah. And obviously tonight you were kind of limited because usually you have some width, right? And obviously Kai Oof. Wagner provides with that. So you have to rely on Nathan Harriel, who's a right-handed kicker. And then on the other side, you have Mbaizo, who obviously you're concerned defensively, and he's going up against Dewan Jones, who's a really solid fullback in this league. So those were pretty much your concerns there. So a lot of the attack was either off a counterattack or driving centrally. And the big problem, honestly, wasn't even just pu pushing the ball up. It's when they would get in that final third. And like you mentioned, space made absolutely no sense. Why are we bunched up all right in front of the goal? Like, it made no sense whatsoever. And these are some of the issues that we've had. Obviously, fatigue's been a problem with this team. But also, the spacing in the final third, just the creativity, yeah. uh, like that killer instinct in that final third has been really missing this year. You're not always going to be able to score off the counterattack. And that's something that this team needs to learn. Sometimes you need to bring the ball up, get some good possession, and mm -hmm. in that final third, be clinical. And that's something that they have struggled with. And I saw some of that here as well. With Gazdag, I, it's obviously really tough. He's a smart player. Like, obviously, you know, he did sell a little bit on the on the Mark Anthony K one. But that was obviously the, the right move because now you have a 10-man New England. And to New England at that point was scrambling. 
Yeah. And again, we've had that mental edge all throughout. But no, I mean, it, it, tonight the the attack just did enough. You you gr you grinded out a goal, that Chris Donovan goal, and that was enough of what you need here. But it going forward, obviously Cincinnati, we'll see what's going on. Obviously, Matt Miazzi may have got himself in a situation, but you know this this forward attack here for the you know, obviously Carranza helps as well coming back, but mm -hmm. that spacing situation needs to be fixed. And if you get the ball. You got a clear shot. Just take it. You saw what Ariel did with in the first half. He probably had the best opportunity in that first half. And these are things that they just got to clean up. They do. They do. And the crazy part about all this is I, even when we did a quick video on at halftime about our feelings in the first half, you never felt like the union were dominating the game. Or right. honestly, I was very nervous because of just how well New England seemed like they were playing. Now, at the half, the union had outshot the Revs 11-2, uh, to I believe it was that I wrote down. But in the final, and in the final stats, finished 19-8 in shots in favor of the union. Four of those on target, and the Revs had three on target. Possession still in favor of New England. Mm -hmm. They had the better possession in the first half. It was like 59-41%, to and they finished overall 58% possession. Corner kicks were even throughout the course of the game. So the union on paper outshot the Revs, but you didn't feel like they were and it felt like a very even game and if anything i would to be honest it felt like new england had the better of chances now of course the union hit two posts nate harrell hits one and then later in the game somebody else hit another one whose name who's escaping me right now um so yes they were inches away from scoring at times but it's still like you mentioned that final third efficiency was not there and that's one of the things that i wrote down that was driving me nuts because I felt like defensively the team started out very flat. Mm -hmm. I was very nervous, especially after that offside play that was called back. Great yeah. save by Andre Blake on that still. Offside call. But in that sequence, it felt like the union were getting caught flat in transition. They were leave, leaving a lot of big gaps. And then they improved, though. The defense seemed like they kind of figured things out. And now we saw them clearing balls better, getting into better spaces, matching up better. But then the next issue became... When they would clear it, it was coming right back. The front three struggled. I know, Tradman, welcome in. You're saying the Union didn't, they don't look like a team that can beat Cincinnati. Sadly, I kind of agree with you because the front three didn't really give you much. When you think about this game, bigger picture, where did the best chances come from for the Union? Nate Harrell's near chance. Set pieces as Jack McGlynn drops it in. Chris Donovan comes off the bench and gives you a chance. Jose Martinez is shooting from anywhere and everywhere. <laughs> and the shot selection, not great on some of those shots. But as a shooter was. myself, I get it, but a lot of interesting, questionable shot selections. But where was Daniel Gazdag? Mm. Where where was uh, Mikael Ua? The only one that I actually noticed, the most of those three, Quinn Sullivan. And he gets subbed out late, of course. But Quinn Sullivan, to me, of the front three, was the best attacker because he at least was taking guys on 1v1, generating some shots, creating space to shoot. Where was the, where was the rest of your attack coming from? Ali Bedoya was kind of... Blending in and out. Um, but the best attack was Damian Lowe getting forward. I, I literally wrote down what the best attack is coming from Damian Lowe and Nate from Harrell. From the wing, like crossing it. What is happening? <laughs> On set pieces, the second wave attack was Damian Lowe literally setting up for chances yeah. on more than one occasion. Yeah. Like, it was Mbizo getting forward. It was everybody but your front three. And then even your middies. I mean, Jose was doing a good job of at least trying to get shots from distance. But that's all offensively we saw him tremendous job defensively jack mcglynn ollie daniel where you at where are you
you. It just, that's what has me the most concerned because without Julian Carranza, you you hope that you're going to get more from someone like Daniel Gazdag. And, and he's where it starts for me. Yeah, no, absolutely. And of course, as uh, Trav Man's talking about Cincinnati and the next playoff match, well, guys, we have a fun, fun, fun sponsor here, Game Time App, guys. So obviously with playoffs here, we're in full swing with the Sixers and Flyers as well. If you guys, listen, are thinking about it, but you're not sure if you want to buy the ticket, well, why don't you wait right before and then use the Game Time app? It's a free download, so download it right now. And right now, when you use our promo code PHLY, for the first, if you're a first-time user, you get you get $20 off. So guys, don't have to stress anymore for games. Go right down to Subaru Park for that, for that playoff game against Cincinnati. Use the Game Time app and use our promo code PHLY. And thank you again to our for our sponsor here at Game Time. But yeah, um, it's the attack in general. Um, it's been an issue Oof. all season long, and I don't honestly don't think if Julian Carranza would have been in this match, it would have helped because there's been spacing issues even with Julian Carranza back. But obviously, you're going to need him here against this, that Cincinnati team. But um, when it came to Gazdag, you know, you even saw him dropping deep to try to hold up play, and at that point, now since now knowing all they have to do is just bunch up and just keep their structure there. So. I don't know what Jim does at this point. Obviously, Kai's going to be out here, so you kind of are planning without him for the rest of the playoffs. Honestly, we'll see, we'll see what happens with that. Uh, but the the Union have small amount of time. We're in the middle of playoffs to kind of figure out this attacking issue. This ain't the six seven goal team a game that we saw last year, and they're no. just going to have to find different ways. And the other thing too is that big part of that six seven goal eruption they had last year was because you had a guy like Corey Burke coming off the bench and. Yeah, you know, that's been a huge hit. Chris Donovan came off the bench and gave you a big push here tonight, but, you know, you don't have that impact anymore of a Corey Burke. Yeah, and I know in the chat you guys are talking about Gazag as well. Sean, you're saying, you, this, you know, it feels like his best production comes from the penalty kicks, and it does so far. It does feel like a season of regression for him. He is a pen merchant, sadly. Trav, man, um, yes, Eugene, go use that $20 for a Coke and some McNuggets that you say from the game time app. <laughs> sure, do your thing. And you I'm actually will have purchase. some leftover with that, too. There you go. <laughs> now, I I think that's what bothers me the most about Daniel Gazdag, and I do want to stay on this for a moment. I am going to – we are going to get some other players, Damian Lowe looking at you for one, um, Jose looking at you for two, but – for Daniel Gazdag to be the leading scorer on this team, to be the one of the biggest offensive threats, a guy that you're expecting to step up in big moments, and a day like today, I remember several minutes at a time where I'm like, "Where is Gazdag? Like, I'm I, I, he's, he's he's out there. I see him on the field. I see he's on the, he's in the lineup. I have to like Google and see that he hasn't been subbed out." But I don't physically see him. He's not making an impact. And that is the most frustrating part because without someone like Corey Burke, without mm -hmm. who, you know, was a huge player off the bench for the union last year, without having Julian Carranza in the, in the lineup at all, you need him. And even with them, you need him. Uh, but it's playoffs. And your best attacks are coming from Quinn Sullivan, Jack McGlynn <laughs> on set pieces, Literally. Nate Harriel, Damian Lowe, the biggest threats. And I, I should have kept track of, like, the shots breakdown. Well, I can pull it up. I'll, I'll, go, I'll pull it up while we're doing this. It's just mind-boggling to me that the best chances are not coming from your best player. Yeah. And the numbers that we're expecting from Gazdog versus the numbers that he's actually producing from shots alone, unacceptable. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to quickly try to find it. But, 
he's just aside from even generating stats, he's uh-huh. not finding the ball. He's not an option. He's not someone that you're building through. You're not combining with him. And then on top of that, it's the actual look of the attack. It's so central, like you were talking about. You're expecting your width to come from Mbizo and Harriel. But as you're transitioning up the field, there is no width. No. Your two forwards are on top of each other. God's dogs <laughs> underneath them. It's literally a triangle. They could almost hold hands. And then <laughs> from there, you don't have passing options. So not only is God's dog struggling... But on top of that, you're not making runs to get open. It's mm. all everybody wants to make these small little flick passes, which are cute. But what opens up the flick passes is spacing. You need to have those seams to be able to pass through. You don't have those passing lanes if you're on top of each other. So I feel like they're trying too hard to play cute yep. and just build down the middle and make these small little crafty, you know, slicing passes instead of actually make a diagonal run, stretch a defender out, open up a gap, and now you can make a pass through. But uh, three shots for Daniel Gazdog today, and honestly, I don't know if, like, what those three shots even were. More importantly, I mean, he's got one shot that was on target, three shots total, 81 pass percentage. I can't actually think, I can't think of a shot from Daniel Gazdog that jumps out at me. You know what? what's even more gross? Oh, no. Zurre. Honestly, I mean, you talk about yeah, another how, one. How many times did you hear Gaza? How many times did you hear Ure tonight? Uh, and like Ure is someone to me. Yikes! Does a great job off the ball, but at some point, like we can't keep talking about what he does off the yeah. ball. This man's making the most money annually for the soccer team, and we're not putting up production for that. I, I get it. You're you're helping out your teammates. But we also need you to put goals on the scoreboard, and that's how it, you're going to help us win here. Um, Renee, I'll be honest with you. I, I think the big problem here is that teams have enough tape on this, these yeah. guys. Teams have had a full year now to prepare for the Gaza, Carranza, and Urey attack. And yep. I think that teams have figured it out. I don't think it was difficult to figure out. And now the union have not been able to make adjustments to that as well. You know, it, it goes to the bigger picture here. And obviously, the changes this upcoming offseason are already evident with, you know, Ali and Kai, but I think that there needs to be a little shakeup in this core here as well. There needs to be a change. The flavor is getting too stale here with yeah. the union. And that's, I think that to me, that's the main problem going on. Obviously the depth has been something we've been talking about, but overall, I just think that teams just know how to defend these guys and the union can't overcome that. We have, we've been talking about this for months and we have yet to overcome it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cause it's, it's funny because all the broadcasters always Ura. say, Uwa. But you say it in the Colombian way. Probably. It is. It is. But the, yeah. So it is funny to me. uh, Eugene Krabs is loving and crushing on the way that you say Ure. (laughs) We were working on getting him here. So we'll get the proper pronunciation. Yeah. I mean, I know I was like Googling and it was like Ua, but Ure sounds much better. Um, But yeah, Sean, he does make a lot of runs and you can, um, you do see that. But as you're talking about, the runs aren't quality runs if you're not able to create that separation between your defenders that to me i i will say i will say i do enjoy the fact that he at least is trying to make runs i feel like daniel godzog for example is not he's not making runs i mean as a as a in this system as as an attacking midi your job is just to go there's no there are no limitations that was my role i love that position because you have your middies behind you in Jose, Jack, Ali that are balancing. You have free reign to literally go wherever you want on the pitch. And for Daniel Gazak to stay in the same box, you know what I would love to see? When when they take players 
spots they've made runs on the field mm -hmm. and market. I love to see the spots that Daniel Godzog has gone. Like I know someone like Messi, for example, when you look at after a game, the colors and of everywhere he's he's ran on the field, he's covered the entire field. Yeah. Daniel Gazag is probably right down the middle. Mm -hmm. It's giving bowling. And he, <laughs> for sure, just likes to make these small little, I know you said Chad Man, the heel passes. It's a lot of small play. This is not a rondo where you're doing a 5v2 and you're standing in a circle making little passes. you got to stretch the defense. So at least Ure does try. Quinn definitely tries, but they're doing it. They're not as sophisticated with their runs. Like you're talking about, John. They're not getting that separation from defenders, but they're moving at least. I don't think Daniel Gazdag's moving. I need to get a Gazdag cam because I don't think he's actually moving enough to really be able to create. It just, like you said, it feels like other teams made adjustments and the attack for the union is very stale. It's very predictable. And when you watch it, it's very stagnant. There's yeah. so many times you look, the backs have the ball, balls in and buys those feet. He's surveying, looking, and everybody's just kind of standing in the same spot, top of the 18. Like, cross it in, send it in. You can't just rely on services, and you definitely can't just rely on, we're going to be a set-piece specialist type of a team. You need to be able to get goals in the run of play, at least shots in the run of play. Most of the shots are coming from, corner kicks that second wave but yeah. nothing where it's in transition like we saw the revs doing mm -hmm. you know what honestly one thing this this front line could use i i, I you know i hate to say it but kohanis like I, there's times where like <laughs> that's accurate though why are you staring at the freaking ball just make a make a decision you know joaquin torres gets in there my main gripe with him is dude you're doing way too much out there like you, you're you're not yeah. maradona out there like make that quick decision like i would rather you your first inclination, just do it mm -hmm. because he just does way too much. And I feel like this attack now, they're just way too much in their head. You To be a killer, you, you just can't think out there. You have to react. I'm just not seeing enough react. I'm seeing way too much overthinking. And they're just scared play. Once yeah. we get to the final third, we're just like, oh, oh, what do we do now? And like, that's the big problem here. And we're not getting <laughs> we're not getting good quality shots. We're not getting nope. goals. Nope. And we're relying on Chris Donovan to come off and, and become El Senio out here and getting us a goal in the second half. So it's it reminds me a lot of um, a dog with an electric fence where they're like running around freely oh and they God. get to the electric fence and they just stop because the union will create with, they'll make good passes and they get to the final third and it's like I've hit the I've hit my, my fence. <laughs> I can't go any further. And it's it is frustrating because as you talk about someone like Torres or I know Sonny or or Sonny. I don't know where that came from. Sean, you're talking about uh, Ure having the, the Philly DNA of just going, but doesn't have the technical skill. That is also the frustrating part. Someone like Daniel Gosdog has the skill, but is not playing with the heart, not playing with that, that flair, that confidence. He's not going cojones, as you talk about. So you have someone like Torres, who, yeah, it's a little frustrating. You come off the bench, and he's trying to pull off a Maradona, and he's trying to do all this other stuff. But also, I'm like, at least he's trying you know, like at least he's trying to do something. Whereas on the other side, someone like Daniel Godzog's not trying. So that part is is without a doubt frustrating because I wish we could kind of mix them. If you had the talent of Daniel Godzog and some of the heart that we see from some of these other guys, yeah, I think that you would get some better plays. Um, Boston fan for life, you're saying congrats to the union on advancing in the MLS Cup playoffs. You got the best of us. We just You couldn't score as the Revs, and it was disappointing. But you're rooting for the Union. Love that from you. Thank Appreciate you. Welcome you, into the chat. Eugene Krabs, absolutely a W Boston fan right there. Um, you know, I, I will say, I know we're talking a lot about the Union. I do want to take a moment 
especially with Boston fan for life in the chat and say, I, I do feel for, for Mark Anthony and for the revs as a whole, like they, they, they did fight yep. and played very well. It was definitely chippy at times that you expected it to be. It's a yeah, revs union game. Revs, it's, yeah. And also it's their season on the line. I expected at nothing home. left. If, if, if anything, I was more fresh with the union. You're up 1-0 in this series. You don't need to get chippy. You don't have to match that. Just win the game. The Revolution had to do anything they could to possibly try to win that game to keep their season alive. And to have Mark Anthony go out in the 44-minute mark with a red card, very interesting play. Daniel Gazdag, again. I Honestly, I was like, what are you doing? Why are you rolling on the ground? The stomp was a stomp, period. But Daniel Gazdag felt like I felt – when I look back at it again, and I will – Admit this, it felt like he ro was rolling, drawing that in. He kind of looked like he oh, grabbed yeah. him a little bit. And I wouldn't be surprised if we hear something later that he was his foot was grabbed by Daniel Gazdag or something. He it's, it's so interesting. Like, he loves that advantage of the sport. Like, he loves to look for those penalties, ah. even if it's in the box. Like, he wants to fall anything possible. And, like, I, I mean, I'll be honest, Renee, like, that was the moment of the match. Like yeah. that moment happened, and I think the momentum went back all the way to Philadelphia, and you you saw what happened, and they pounced on that. But yeah, he definitely sold that for sure, one hundred percent. And I'm Mark. If I'm Mark Anthony K, I understand his frustrations. A playoff game, like you mentioned, elimination situation, and for that to happen, and he knew at that moment too, like that screwed his team up for mm -hmm. sure. Um, I mean, yeah, Gazak definitely doesn't have a lot of uh, friends in this. Barb, sorry, <laughs> he doesn't have a lot of fans throughout the league. I should say. Um, it's funny because it's it's a little bit like Embiid in the sense that Embiid everyone yeah, comes at him the that's way a good he comparison. always looks to get to the foul line. Well, listen, Gazag likes to find that edge as well, and whether it be a PK or drawing a red card, he sees as an advantage. He's going to take that. He may not get the goal here tonight, or was it Trapman said he may not get the PK here tonight, but. He drew the red the red card. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, you know, definitely was very see a Boston fan for life. He's a good one. He's a good definitely one. was uh, a very interesting play that that unfolded, but it was deserving of red of a red card. And so with that, you know, you feel for the emotional side of knowing this is your last game and you're possibly your last game, you're not able to help your team out. And then of course once they do lose, you know, you can't help but feel for them in that sense, but I don't, not too much. Um, just, it's just, they, they were, I think what I feel for the most is that they actually looked like a team that wanted to win. And at times the union didn't. And, um, they actually, in my opinion, had a lot of the better of playing opportunities and the union didn't. So today the union, thank goodness we're able, Chris Donovan, we appreciate you. Um, Jack McGlynn, appreciate you as well. And Jack McGlynn was the other player that had a near post shot that actually yes. hit off the post. I had to find in my notes. I knew I wrote it down. Uh, you know, coming up clutch in a big moment down the stretch to be able to get the win for the union. And uh, it's it's exciting. It's exciting. It's nerve wracking. It's a lot of emotion. But today we're going to try to stay in the excitement. I'm trying to just stay here. Uh, another <laughs> another interesting moment here. That a lot of people were talking about was the substitutions around. Yes. Let's get into it. 67. So minutes. So the Chris, the Chris Donovan uh, substitution. So Ure uh, comes in for Donovan. And then Joaquin Torres comes in for El Bruno Martinez, and we talked about the injury. Um, I love that only because you didn't have a lot of attacking options coming off the bench. And at that moment, it's a nil-nil game. You have New England on the ropes here because they're down a man. And Jim decided, I'm going all out on an attack. It would have been easy to bring in Bueno because Bueno was the best option off the bench. But he decided to bring two attacking options. And at that moment, 
you smelt that blood and you attack and that's what they did and i, I I'm, I'm with the decisions to to bring those guys in I was moment. not with the decision, and I have no problem admitting that. I mean, I I remember saying to you like, "This yeah. is this is the stuff that's being made." You know, with the game tied up, time ticking. You know, I was very surprised. Obviously, Jose Martinez goes out; his hamstrings bothering him. And in that moment, I'm thinking, "Where's Bueno? Where's even shape, Leon Flock?" Sure. It was a very weird risky move to bring in Chris Donovan and, and Joaquin Torres. Uh, Torres last played back in August. He played like nine <laughs> minutes back in August. Chris Donovan uh, hasn't actually scored a goal in MLS play since July. He did score in the MLS Next Pro games as well as some Leagues Cup games, but yeah. not in MLS play specifically. And so these are two guys that you're bringing in to give you offense. And they haven't given you minutes. They haven't really played much. But this is where the union are at. That you're now making a substitution and bringing in two guys that haven't played in over a month uh, for Torres, but then even for Donovan hasn't logged a goal mm -hmm. in a while. So I was a little nervous. I'm not going to lie. I wanted to see Bueno in that moment. I want to see Lon Flack because I also felt like the, the union were not controlling the midfield the way I would have mm -hmm. liked. And I thought bringing in some fresh legs in the midfield could maybe help get over that hurdle. But Quinn Sullivan, I know Sean, you're saying props to Quinn Sullivan tonight, best player on the pitch for the full 90 maybe carving out more of a prominent role in starting 11 next season. I'll take Quinn Sullivan on, on the field more than Daniel Gazdag right now because at least he's playing with heart and at least he's trying. And he's probably one of the only ones that you can consistently point out in the, for the forwards that is bringing, giving you something. You know, yeah. it, it hasn't been much. And today was another example of that. You see what the Revs attack's doing. And then on the union side, it's stagnant. It's, it's yeah, it's a lot. So that substitution, I have no problem saying I did not like it. But I do like that Jim then later brought in Bueno and, and you know, Flocky. when Flock came in later. So I was okay with that. We got through it, guys. And we survived <laughs> and it worked out. And I don't mind being wrong because, hey, if you're going to prove me wrong, do it with a game-winning goal, Chris Donovan, and show that you do deserve to be on the pitch. And that he definitely did. Yeah, I, I love Quinn. It's just tough because you don't know where to kind of fit him in this yeah. system. He's Honestly, he's a winger, like in a 4-3-3 or even a 4-2-3-1, but we don't run that here, so it is tough. But he obviously has some creativity. He obviously is hungry right now. So when you're talking about that final third issue – Honestly, probably, yeah, like I probably trust Quinn Sullivan the most out of any mm -hmm. one of our attackers. But we need to talk about the most important factor here tonight. And that's just like New England lost the mental edge when they had it tonight. Yeah, and it, it's you know, it's not even just the red card, but like deciding to start Earl Edwards over <laughs> Jackson when Jackson was the hot hand. Like, I'm not understanding that one. Um, and even in the in the set in the late in the second half, the, the substitution um, of bringing in uh, McNamara for Bo. Yeah. So for like 10 minutes, you were running without a, a clear number nine, and then Bobby Wood gets subbed off right before the 90th minute. So like we did our job, but New England also kind of shot themselves in the foot more than once. And so I, I, we, got, we got to look at that as well. But you, do, you have to take care of what's in front of you, and the union took care of what was in front of them, but Jesus Louise, you're about <laughs> to get eliminated and you're making these type of decisions? Well, I I don't know. I see both sides. <clears throat> I feel like on one side it's a risk because you lost 3-1 in the last game versus the Union. It obviously is a must-win game. You're trying to find something to shake it up and to get the reps going. Uh, Jackson had been 
decent in his close to the regular season and then gave up three goals in the first half against the Union. Uh, honestly, I know there were question marks for them about who was going to be in goal. And mm-hmm. that was one of the things I remember making note of to keep an eye on. And going with Earl Edwards, who missed the last three games, uh, has not played since October 7th, which is uh, a month ago. Yes, because it's November 8th. Had not played since October 7th. And in that game, gave up three goals in that 3-2 loss for New England to Orlando. So having missed the final games of the regular season and the first game of the postseason, to me, that was their way of kind of like, we need to shake things up because at that moment they weren't doing well. But then Jackson wasn't doing well either. They have goalkeeper issues. We don't have those problems. So it was some questionable stuff with New England. And even the fact that they... uh, just very hot-headed at times on both sides and the red card that play by Farrell and to Nate Harriel um the play that Embiser gets knocked down you know there's it was frustration for sure this team as we know had quite a season of ups and downs and you could just see it kind of culminating in the in today's game that they exploded and not in a good way some questionable decisions some questionable rotations even Farrell being moved in his role granted he did well there but that's also what makes me nervous about the union, that despite all of that, the union squeaked out a win. I'm glad they won. A win is a win is a win is a win is a win. But at the end of the day, you barely beat New England, who has been dealing with a lot of chaos themselves. I know the union had their fair share of drama, and it's like, who's got the most drama? The Boston Tea Party is definitely winning on that <laughs> side right now. And so I was a little also discouraged by the fact that the union weren't able to, whether it was... The last game of the regular season or today, it was the same type of thing of being very flat and not being able to generate chances against Edwards, who hasn't been in net in a month. So important factor, but also a very discouraging stat when you think about it that way. And kind of scary. But you know what's not scary? FOCO. Because that's a place they're always consistent, reliable, and giving great prices. And over at FOCO, as you're repping your favorite squads, players, they've got a ton of merchandise, collectibles, toys, T-shirts, hats, jerseys, slippers, all types of stuff, honestly, from head to toe that you can rock, as well as in your house, your office. And over at FOCO, when you use that code PHLY, you're able to get 10% off of your purchase. So not only can you save $20 when you go to game time, Eugene Krabs, and have a chance to buy those nuggets, but you also can go to FOCO and save even more money. So now maybe you can get some fries with those nuggets. So go over to FOCO, use that code PHLY. Again, for those of you listening to our show via podcast platforms, A, thanks for tuning in. But B, remember, it is code P-H-O-Y to be able to get you 10% off of your purchase. All right, I have danced around talking about Damian Lowe for a while now. I know early in the chat, Sean C. was bringing up the ups and downs of Damian Lowe. Damian Lowe, to me, is somebody that takes one step forward, two steps backwards. And every time I'm starting to root for Damian Lowe, he does a very questionable thing. The foul at midfield where you're you're bear-hugging. Even the yellow card... I understand he was trying to show, like, it wasn't on purpose. I don't want to get a red card because anytime there's a foul to the face, officials are going to take a look at it to make sure it wasn't anything yep. malicious. Mm-hmm. So his, I think in, in that moment, he's trying to show, like, I didn't mean it. It was an accident. But it was very aggressive and easily could have led to a red card. But then also turns around and makes some plays. Like, I saw him close out, did a good job with his arms to make sure he wasn't giving up a, re- a, a handball. He was doing a good job getting forward into the attack. So there are moments I'm like, yes, Damien. And then there are moments I'm like, whoa, Damien, what are you doing? How are you feeling about Damien Lowe? I know we've talked about him on the show a number of times, but obviously he's at center back to stay. Yeah. 
You know, like one thing Jim always says is that he loves when his players take calculated risks. And Damian Lowe definitely takes risks. I don't know how well calculated they can be, but he definitely does take some risks. And honestly, Renee, listen, no matter how we feel about Damian Lowe, we have no other choice. That is true. Because as the broadcaster called Mike Mikel Ure, uh, um, uh, he called him Glesnitz. That was funny. I was like, where is Glesnitz? What are you talking about? But We wish. You're going to have to rely on Lowe. And for Lowe, obviously, listen, he's got the athletic ability. He's very tenacious. But at times, his, his just thought process, you're just wondering, what's going on up there, big guy? But, uh, you know, overall, I mean, I thought defensively, the, the union – we're solid. Obviously, there was a couple opportunities here. Uh, I thought on the counterattacking, really, New England were, were killer. But Damian, so far, has been doing anything anything and everything that he possibly can to help his team win. And we talked about it before the end of the regular season. That Nashville match, I really felt set him up here for these playoffs. Mm. And honestly, if we're going to go far, we're going to only go as far as his back line can kind of help us out here. Because obviously, you know, with the way the attack's been playing, you're going to kind of have to rely on that. But it was interesting because I, I was wondering if Jim would go to the three-back set, if he would go with uh, Lowe, Ellie, and Harry will possibly at the three-back set because I, I did like Riel attack. I just don't like him defending. But they decided to roll with with the four in the back, and, and Jim's trusting his 11 right now. And, and Damian Lowe is one of those guys going forward. And obviously, it's going to be a tougher task going forward. So we need you, Damian Lowe, to be calm, cool, and collective as best as possible, my guy. Yeah, and I did like there were moments, and I, I put down my notes like leadership moments. I felt like Damian Lowe was at least being the voice for the union. They're a team that's kind of quiet when you think about it. You've got Jose Martinez, who's a voice in a whole different way, uh, where he's typically <laughs> the one that's fiery and everything and getting caught up in altercations. Um, Ali Bedoya is obviously a voice, whether it's pregame huddle like we saw or, you know, different things. But I thought Damian Lowe, I saw glimpses of him really also stepping up as a leader. Tribeman, you're saying you felt Lowe played decent overall. I think decent's fair. You know, I, I think it's sometimes... One of the greatest things that helps him is also what's hurting him and that he's being overly aggressive because there are some plays where, again, like that play at midfield, second half, balls played in. Why are you so handsy there? What is all that for? You don't have to win that ball there. If anything, just stand him up, try to force him back, um, allow your, def your team to you know, retreat and get organized defensively. But you're trying to jump the pass so much that you're grabbing and hugging and all this. <laughs> so I think it's the aggression that helps him be able to get forward into the attack, for example, and win 50-50 balls and clear the ball. But then that same aggression at times when not used or dialed in properly leads to those fouls, leads to those plays, those hard tackles where you're like, you don't need that right there. You know, be, be aware enough to see... The, a, where the ball is in the positioning, but also where is your team at? If you've got good defensive shape and you guys are organized, you don't have to foul. Right. The only time you typically see backs foul in transition is because they know they're about to get caught flat. They don't have good numbers and shape, so they're going to foul to stop play. But in the cases of Damian Lowe a couple of times, I'm like, what are you? I'm looking around, looking at the different. I'm like, there's no need to foul there. You've got, you've got him in a good position. The guy's got his back to goal. He's 50 yards from the net. You've got players around you dropping. There's no reason to foul. So I think decent is, is a great, a great just overall grading because he did do well. You noticed him. He stood out. He was making a difference. He was making big plays. But I'd love to see him be a little bit smarter at times yeah. um, and just picking and choosing his spots of when to be aggressive and maybe when to just stand an attacker up because uh, it only gets harder from here. Yeah, I, I kind of want to look back at the mental aspect of this game as well. Um, Matt Polster, 
Oh, God. Before this game. I'm glad you brought that up. Decided to make an interesting comment <laughs> in the press conference leading up to this match. Um, and that definitely fueled the fire within the, the dressing room here with Philly. And I don't know where he got that. I don't know what, what possessed him to say this. But look, to talk about injuring other players is yep. unacceptable. I don't care what you're feeling. Like, that's just unacceptable. And I think that the union definitely heard that. We talk about bulletin board material. Well, Matt Polster, you was up on that bulletin board, and we definitely showed out here tonight. I mean, I saw the the tweet that Jose Nunez uh, posted out, and shout out to Jose for this, about the with the video clip and just also sharing some of the quotes from it. But to be able to for Matt Polster to actually come out and say, maybe we need to do something similar, start targeting their players to an extent, obviously not to hurt not to hurt them, like what happened to Carlos, but protect them and make sure that it that it's not okay to keep hitting our players, targeting players. Say what you're you openly say, saying that. You're going to start targeting the union. Meanwhile, this every matchup between them, but the last two games, including tonight, have been physical on both sides. And it, it, there's no reason to go out of your way to target players. How about you just play good soccer? Mm -hmm. How about you just take care of the ball, stop turning it over, finish your chances, most importantly. The refs had chances, and you weren't able to finish. But instead you're going to say, in my opinion, that's a cop-out. It's like, Maybe you're feeling like the officials aren't controlling the game. You're feeling like the union are playing dirty. And I don't think the union are playing dirty. I'd love to see them play a little bit more. As I just talked about Damian Lowe being less aggressive, I'd actually love to see the team be more aggressive and play with a little more fire in them. Like, I love the fire that Jose Martinez brings. Sometimes a little too much, too. But I'd rather have the opposite of, like, Damian Lowe, Jose Martinez, where you're trying to scale it back versus the Daniel Gazak, who you're trying to light a fire up under them so they can do something. So I don't see dirty play as an yeah. issue with the union. I think they actually just kind of go to the motions at times and someone like Daniel Gazdag is too busy trying to pull fouls and draw PKs instead of going on and playing upright. So the comments were just very unprofessional. It's been a very weird 10 days. I think this is what happens when you have too much time off between games. You're bored and you like start to say ridiculousness. But between that and Kai Wagner, who we haven't even ironically talked about, and I almost like don't even want to at this point I'll until tomorrow. tomorrow probably, yeah. yeah, I'm like, I don't even, my, my brain can't even get into all the things that have been happening with Kai Wagner and the statements being released and everything else. But what do we need all this for? And mm -hmm. if you're if you're anybody from New England, why you have one game to try to win to keep your season alive? The focus, like I always say in press conferences, should just be on it's, it's going to be a battle. We're excited to be back at home. We're hoping to tie the series. Keep it simple. Hoping to tie the series up. We wanna, we're trying to keep our season alive. There's so many things you can say, and yep. this is what you chose to say. <laughs> well, you know what? It's funny because, like, I look at that situation. I look at this whole series, and, you know, obviously, you know, we're watching with the PHLY Sixers team, and, you know, Sixers Celtics, hmm. obviously, like everyone in Philly knows, we hate the Celtics. And the union, we're obviously very young, and we're still yeah. trying to find that main rivalry. I mean, Renee, like, we have so much animosity towards the refs. Mm -hmm. You even look at 2020. You look at all the times we beat in the refs that year leading up to that, that playoff match. Um, and you look at this playoff series here. Like, I hate the refs. Like, <laughs> honestly, I hate the New England Revolution. And so happy we were able to get that win against them. But... This rivalry, I'm curious how it will look next year because every year it's like a little bit more getting hotter and hotter. I mean, yeah. I despise those guys.
Yeah, because it's first of all, you're just tired of them. Like you're tired of having these late season, whether it's the end of the regular That's a lot season of talk between the or two sides. yeah, and you're tired of like the fact that we always see New England at this time of the year yep. when the season's on the line. And then of course it is that Boston Philly rivalry, which mm-hmm. without a doubt is is a strong one. And all the comments, all the chirping, all the extra you know, guys jumping into each other's faces. And the union were doing it too. Look, I, they were, they were like Jose Martinez one time goes down or clears it and then turns and starts chirping in someone's face. I'm like, you just made a good play. Just run up the field. Like there's no need to say anything. Damian Lowe, again, when he get that yellow card, why do you jump up from getting a yellow card and you're rushing over and now you got New England guys are pushing him away and now you're pushing back and then everyone's in each other's face. Just there's no need for this. There's no need for some of the extra stuff. And it's on both sides because we definitely saw it with New England. I'm not excusing them at all. But that is what makes for the rivalry, that these teams are – both these teams are passionate when they play each other, without a doubt. And then and the number one question here tonight, has Renee joined JP's optimistic train? Probably the toughest question of the day. <laughs> um, I don't think so, to be honest. So I actually expected – I actually expected that this was going. Oh, there you go, Boston fan for That's life. Right. He is. He he's your favorite. Is. He's your favorite Revs fan. Okay. Um. Well, maybe he can join you on that optimism train because <laughs> I'm not there. I'm like waiting at the station, checking my boarding pass to see if I want to get on this train or not. Uh, because I actually expected the Union to win today. Okay. It's the deflating balloon comparison I made last show where I feel like this is like the last of the, you know, the balloon air kind of escaping where this was like a rally win. Chaos broke out. Obviously, the last 24 hours alone have been crazy around Kai Wagner. You're without Jacob Glessness. People are counting you out. The rivalry of the Revs Union always in itself makes you a little bit more fired up. But now going up against a very talented FC Cincinnati team, Supporter Shield Cincinnati team, top seed Cincinnati team, Coming off of very well. beating the Red Bulls, uh, put up three goals in one game, and then winning in a PK shootout. It's a little bit of a different matchup, for sure. And so I don't know how much the Union realistically have left in them. Like, we have seen – there's always, a like, backs against the wall. Well, their backs have been against several walls, and they keep, like, fighting out of a corner only to find themselves back in that same spot. So right. I – I'm optimistic that they're going to the Eastern Conference semifinals because that's fun. But after that, that's all the optimism I've got because I don't know what's going to actually happen in those games. Like, it's great to say they made it back to the Eastern Conference semifinals, but that's all I got. Maybe tomorrow, but I doubt it. And I think, so we, right now, there's another international break. And then I do believe they that the second round begins like what the twenty fifth or something like that after after so yes all I That's know the is the other side of it Gazak and Hungary play the sixteenth nineteenth so I believe they come back after the nineteenth from international break so we're gonna have some time again to wait for the playoff game jeez <laughs> my God every every single playoff game right that's a minimum ten days you're gonna have to wait here it's mm-hmm. it's crazy um, but yeah so it, it is it's gonna be a tall task and I think that. Yeah, tactically, it's going to be important that Jim and the boys come up with a great tactical um, game plan because it's going to be tough against Cincy, like you mentioned. 
Well, I might not be the most optimistic about the union at times, and I'm trying, guys. I'm really trying. I know the potential is there, but I am optimistic about Hero Bread because Hero Bread allows you to have delicious, nutritious options for how you eat your wraps, your rolls, your sandwiches, whether it's breakfast, lunch, or dinner. You can have a healthy choice at Hero Bread. So you can go over to Hero.co. Again, it's .co, not .com, and you can be able to use code PHLY. gets you a nice discount of 10% off. And over at Hero Bread, they give you uh, – any sort of bread that's going to provide you with chances to eat, regardless of what your dietary restrictions are or health concerns, they have a bread that is for everyone. And what I love about it is that their founder, Cole Glass, actually took time to bake 100 muffins per day to find the perfect blend that fits every allergy constraint, dietary restriction, anything possible to have a low-carb option to fit your lifestyle. And that's what led to the starting of Hero Bread. So when you need a hero, call Hero Bread because they're going to give you a chance to eat well, eat delicious, but also make sure you're putting in uh, in your body some delicious options that are going to be great for you. Fewer calories than the leading national brand with that 5 to 10 grams protein per serving, as well as having breads, buns, tortillas that give you a chance to have high fiber, ultra low net carbs, and zero gram sugar per slice. So hero.co, use that code PHLY, save today and get a nice discount of 10% off. Well, JP, as we're uh, wrapping up already on this post-game show, yes. glad you guys can join us. It's been a while. Um, well, actually, we haven't had a post-game show at all. <laughs> so this is our first post-game show. And it's great that you guys are yes. able to join us for this. And also, that's a victory post-game show because despite my lack of optimism, the union have advanced. So that is a great thing because I was very nervous coming into today, not really sure what to expect. Um, Eugene Crouch is saying James Harden and Kai Wagner <laughs> don't eat hero bread. No, they do not probably actually, but you can, and you can be different. Boston fan for life is saying FC Cincinnati ain't got nothing on y'all go union in all caps. I love the enthusiasm. Welcome to the, the other side. It's nice to have you here. Yeah. I, I'd like to say that the union can give a nice, you know, hard fought game. I do not like the fact, Trav, man, as you're saying, the breaks are so long. The Jeez. international breaks in the middle of playoffs are ridiculous. That here you are once again, having to have 10 days, 11 days, 12 days off between games. And also your guys are going to have to play for their respective countries. And they're not even in your training sessions. They're not even in your routine. And you're now balancing all of that. I can't, I cannot stand it. Yeah. I just had this conversation with uh, our producer, one of our producers here, Andrew, um, yeah, like it's it's unorthodox. Like typically we end in March or we sorry, we begin the season at the end of March and the season like ends at the beginning of November. Mm -hmm. Now this year you're talking season beginning at the end of February, ending in the beginning of December. It's been absolutely wild we've been going through. It's been and it also doesn't help it's been a roller coaster ride of a union season as well. Not at all. I mean, can you imagine it's twenty twenty three, February or even January, let's backtrack it. And before the Eagles play the Kansas City Chiefs, oh, wait, we're going to take a break. And you guys are going to have, like, you know, three weeks off. I mean, obviously, it's a break for the Pro Bowl and everything. But we're going to take a break. Or it's the NBA Finals, and you're getting ready to see the Denver Nuggets go to the finals to try to win their first championship in a very long time. And they're getting ready to take on the Miami Heat. And then stop. You're not going to play. You're going to all go internationally and go play some, you know, play with your countries um and let's take an international break the nwso has the same issue the mls has the same issue it is mind-boggling to me that in the middle of the playoffs it's bad enough in the regular season yeah. in the playoffs you have your players away and typically of course it's your best players 
that are gone. And now you have games having to be paused. Your routine is broken. So for that reason, it does help a team like the Union because it gives you a chance to get guys healthy, reset, see what you can get going, especially offensively. Uh, of course, it doesn't change anything for Kai Wagner, who's out for now two more games. But for someone like even Jacob Glesnes, let's be honest, they said it's a possible four-week return for his... walking. Yeah. Apparently. He's like in practice next to gym. Like, that's so huge. So that's huge. I mean, he's needed about a four-week turnaround from that sports hernia surgery. So the break actually helps him. Julian Carranza, Jose Martinez, depending on what's going on with that hammy. So from that side, okay, we could take a little bit of a break. But it's it's too long. It's way too long. So... Ay, 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 ay. Well, thank you guys for tuning in, Trapman W Post Game Show. We appreciate that. Glad you guys have enjoyed the show and been able to tune into the conversation. It's great to have a post game show where we can talk yeah. about winning and advancing because the Philadelphia Union headed back to the Eastern Conference semifinals, taking on FC Cincinnati. A huge opportunity for them to knock off the top dogs, prove a lot of people right, myself included, and go on and win. And it gets only more exciting from here, JP, regardless, because as we're talking postseason, it's November. It's great to still be talking about the union playing in the mix and in the hunt. So excited about yeah, that we're talking playoffs guys in november maybe december as well <laughs> <laughs> exactly well we will be talking more for phoy union podcast actually tomorrow so today was our chance to just kind of breathe and then soak in all the the winning ways the good the bad everything in between but also tomorrow <laughs> we'll be able to have a deeper dive into kai wagner we'll continue talking about today's game and start looking ahead to fc cincinnati so after a good night's rest some great breakfast uh you guys can join us tomorrow around four o'clock p.m eastern time that we'll be back on the show to be able to rehash all the great things from today and start looking ahead to the eastern conference semifinals just no scares while we're sleeping overnight please oh, and we gosh. go <laughs> i know please can we just get a good night's rest and drama free for the next 24 hours that would be fantastic yes. for sure but for us here at phoi union podcast brie jp renee thank you guys so much for tuning in make sure you're subscribing liking following if you don't catch us live on youtube you can always catch us across podcast platforms if you miss anything you can go back you can rewatch it you can listen wherever you catch your podcast wherever you'd like to watch your youtube shows and we'll be back for more thursday four o'clock p.m we've got larry Hen is going to be in the house larry henry is going to be joining us as well so yes. more to talk about because the wit the winning ways have continued. The union, I almost, I can't even say it, guys. The union have won and are advancing. And we've got more to talk about post-season shows. See you guys next time. Dupe. We all silly like the mayor. 